Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. We are here at Don't Miss This. I almost said we are Don't Miss This, but we are not. This is. And we're so glad you're here. This is week one of our Summer of Heroes. So if you're just kind of jumping into this, we just thought, man, we want to do something to kind of, that's a little bit different, that's fun and light, and just something to study and think about heroes from the Book of Alma throughout the entire summer. Because there's so many good ones. Yeah. So each week, we're going to introduce a hero, what their power phrase scripture is, and then one small experience that you can do. Um, together in a group, by yourself, or with a family that kind of like has to do with that hero to help you remember what their lesson is and what they are a hero for. So we are super excited about that. It's just so going to be easy and just Usually fun to do. just one hero a week, except for sometimes there was three heroes. And one week in particular that you might have figured out already, because last week we were having a Contest to see who could Contest. figure out. <laughs> like you won. Who won the cruise? I'm just kidding. Who we didn't give away a cruise. What the bracelet meant. The MMLX. Did you figure it out? We so if you haven't so had excited. one yet or you don't know what we're talking about, we have these bracelets and they look like this, but there's going to be words on them. They're these stretchy bands. And by words, he means letters. Oh, letters. And so in the newsletter, you can go and see we've got um, the poster or printout. You can print it any size. For summer of heroes that you can put up in your house and like list the heroes. And then you can get one of these bands if you want. And they say on them, we put this in the newsletter last week, MMLX. Because if you didn't figure it out, see if this helps you. Some weeks we study one hero. Some weeks we study three because we can't help it. And one week we actually study 2,060 heroes. That's M-M-L-X in Roman numerals. And that's going to be at the very end. Those are some of the very last heroes we're going to talk about. But we love starting with them right at the very beginning because we we a lot of times talk about the stripling warriors as the 2,000 stripling warriors. Right. And we forget this really awesome verse that happens at the very end of Alma. In Alma 57, verse 6, and it says um, that the stripling warriors received a supply of provisions and also an addition to our army from the land of Zarahemla and from the land round about to the number of 6,000 men besides 60 of the sons of the Ammonites who would come to join their brethren, my little band of 2,000. So they send reinforcements, 60 more young men to the stripling warriors. And then this is your favorite line, maybe of all of Alma, but I don't know. Alma's <laughs> so good. And it says this, and now behold, we were strong. Don't you love it? Wasn't till the last sixty joined them, and they'd already won, and no one had died, and they'd done all these amazing things. But it wasn't until the last sixty came that they were strong at that point. And we love the thought of that. That's why we picked this for the bracelets. Is our little band that is all studying? Come follow me together, and it's every one of us, even the sixty that we bring in. Um, that, that, makes us, that came a little late, and that's what makes us strong. And so we're going to wear those letters, MMLX, all summer um, to remind us to be warriors, but also to remind us to be gathering um, for the whole summer 
um, as we study about these heroes and and what we want to know. Yeah, and we just love that that obviously they're just one hero, well, one group of heroes, but their lesson kind of like is the theme of all the heroes throughout the book of Alma and heroes throughout all of time. And that is that one person can make a difference and, and one person can bring strength and one person can rescue. And so we love this whole idea. And it's never too idea. late. Yeah. It's not of, too late that you think the 2000 were doing just fine on their own, but you love um, that it, they were still gathering the ranks. Everyone was still getting battle ready all of the time. People were brought in and that's how they became so strong. So with every single one of the heroes, that's what you're gonna notice about them, is that they are the type of person that makes a difference in the battle and one person can. So. We just like the idea of everyone wearing them and always remembering I'm part of this little band of rescuers. I'm part yeah. of this fellowship of, of people who fight for good and, and fight for people, right? Yep. So one of the, the summer heroes. Okay. That's what we are. So that we are about, we're going to introduce our week one hero in just a minute. So as we get to his part in the story, but we'll always have up at the top of the board um, who the hero is and what their power phrase is. And we'll say it to the podcast people. Don't worry. And it'll be in the newsletter. So you get a little shift in um, government right here in the, in the book of Alma. And they kind of make a big deal about it. You've had a king who's been a leader over the people ever since they got to the land. Remember, Nephi kind of becomes the first king and it kind of gets passed on. And then you get stories of good kings and bad kings. And Mosiah is um, gonna wants to hand off the kingdom to one of his sons. And the people choose Aaron. And Aaron says, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a king. I would like to be a missionary. And they are off in a story that we're going to read another time, right? off to the Lamanites to be missionaries. And he then actually says to the people, this is in Mosiah 29, 25 and 26. His, he tells you, this is why I don't think that we want to have a king. Um, before he gets there, he, he goes back and he reminds everybody, let's remember how influential a king can be on the people. Let's remember King Noah in particular, who one person um, the power that was given him not only destroyed him, but it ended up leading the entire people into bondage. One person can do so much um, damage. I also love that he sneaks in this as part of it. Remember, we keep talking about this. This is in chapter 29, verse 19. Um, well, back up in 17, it says, How much iniquity does one king cause to be committed and what great destruction In verse 19, he says, were it not for the interposition of the all-wise creator, their all-wise creator, not just the, and this because of their sincere repentance, they would have been in bondage even until now. Don't you love that? That he keeps bringing up. It is God interposing in life. And sometimes I feel like we've got to stop and say, Lord, thank you for your interposition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you for involving yourself. But he says, he did deliver them. Because they did humble themselves before him and cried mightily, he did deliver them out of bondage. And this part I love. And thus doth the Lord work with his power in all cases among the children of men. He finds a way to intervene and work in all cases. I love Um, all cases. But he tells them, that's just a little little bonus right there. He says, um, it's better that we not have a single king. Because if we have a king... And they go naughty. This whole nation could go to kaput, right? Um, But instead, let's choose judges that are selected by the voice of the people. He says, for the most part, 
the majority of people are going to choose those who are righteous. And they just set up this mm-hmm. system of checks and balances and, and making sure. And I think this is so important for us to remember, especially when we get into um, times of voting and, and participating and having a voice and being able to actually be part of what is happening in our country. Sometimes I think we get a little bit slack in that and we don't realize that I love what we are taught right here in verse 26 and 27. It is not common that the voice of the people desires anything contrary to that which is right, but it is common for the lesser part of the people to desire that which is not right. Therefore, this shall ye observe and make it your law to do your business by the voice of the people. And if the time comes that the voice of the people doth choose iniquity, then is the time that the judgments of God will come upon you. Yea, then is the time he will visit you with great destruction, even as he hath hereto, even as he has here. I can't even say that word. Hitherto visited, hitherto visited this land. And this is what I love about that. And I think about it every year in November is the, the it is most common for the voice of the people to choose good. But that means the voice of the people has to be heard. And that means all of us have to be studying um, who are the political candidates and what is their background and what what are the things that they're bringing to the table? And each of us has to decide individually who do we think is best represents what we believe um, is good is the voice of good. And those are the people we need to be voting for. And if our voices are silent, then it's hard for the voice of good to be recognized. So just to be remembering, we need to be part of the voice of good that is this country. We need to show up and we need to represent what we believe and um, continue to be participatory in what's going on. Yeah. Because you start watching now throughout the entire book of Alma, not only the heroes who will have such a great impact and influence, but also there will be other individuals who have a way of swaying people and having a big impact on the way that people live mm-hmm. and, and and just their spirituality and, and, and their faith and all those things. Um, and so let's jump into that first example that we see in the book of Alma, which is a man in Alma chapter one by the name of... Nehor. And um, first, you're sad about his name. <laughs> Who is mom? This is, is the problem in the story. Um, but we want to make a little comparison between what Nehor is like and then what Gideon is like. And they're actually going to have a little altercation with each other right at the very beginning. But you get this man who's, uh, whose name is Nehor. Oh, but first say goodbye to King Mosiah yes, in verse you have one. To. Because yep. of this line, mm-hmm. you love this one. He says, having warred a good warfare, walking uprightly before God and leaving this legacy of faith in God as, as he leaves. So there is that Yeah, that goodbye. line, having warred a good warfare, so, so good. good. Jinx, more than a 10. You owe me a root beer. Wait, you owe me one. I owe you a root beer. Okay, thanks. I want a Dr. Pepper. So (laughs) then um, there is this man who shows up and his name is Nihor. And we have this box in the study guide sheet to kind of like, what is it about him that um, was so destructive and so dangerous? Now it's interesting because there is this one verse, and this will be a good example of like trying to dig in a little bit deeper. We call Nehor close but counterfeit. Check out this verse, Alma chapter one, verse four. It says, and he also, I wish I hadn't told you who said it. And he also testified unto the people that all mankind should be saved at the last day. 
and that they need not fear nor tremble, but that they might lift up their heads and rejoice. For the Lord had created all men, and had also redeemed all men, and in the end, all men should have eternal life. Now, you should know I picked that scripture originally to be my mission plaque scripture because I think it's powerful. And I was like, yes, I want to stand. God has created us all and he has saved us all. And we don't need to fear and tremble because salvation is in his hands. And then someone pointed out to me, they're like, did you know that's an antichrist who's actually talking? And I was like, well, no one will know in the hallways. But um, you read that and you think to yourself, that's we actually believe that for the, I mean, there's some nuances in language, but that's hard because we don't really know what he meant with some of those. But, but it's so interesting because it's so like Satan where he's he's almost telling you the truth and you, you barely don't know what is amiss there. And actually in this verse, it's hard to figure out what is amiss. It's the verses right before and right after that all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I see. You get a what clue the as is. to that. Yeah. yeah. Almost like um, what his intention was, was um, a more telling mark than what his actual words were. Yep. Because it tells us in verse three, and he had gone about among the people preaching to them that which he termed to be the word of God. So that's important. That word he, you might want to circle that in your scriptures. This is how he wanted to explain the word of God. That's what he wanted to talk about. And then in verse six, it tells us, um, and he began to be lifted up in the pride of his heart and to wear very costly apparel, yea, and even began to establish a church after the manner of his preaching, which is so interesting because we, we want to learn about the Lord's church, right? It's not Nehor's church. It's the Lord's church. And even though he hinted at the Lord being the focus in this one verse that you like so much, everything else tells us about him and the way he wanted to teach and the way he was going to make the tradition and the culture of that church. And that becomes the problem. Because that verse and those truths about the Savior, which are true, um, was used as an excuse to like persecute and in a second and as an excuse to murder and not as a reason of praise for what God has done. He takes a truth about the goodness of God and then uses it um, as as an excuse, justification and motivation to do wickedly. What he wanted to do. Um, and so as he's going from house to house in verse seven, it tells us he met a man who belonged to the church of God. It's so interesting because right off the bat, you're going to see the opposite of everything Nehor is. It's not this man's church. It's God's church. It tells us it was, he was from the church of God. Yea, even one of their teachers. And remember how Nehor teaches? He, he goes through and he terms how he wants the word of God to sound. But this tells us right off the bat Um, It was one of their teachers, and he began to contend with him sharply that he might lead away the people of the church. But the man of God withstood him, admonishing him with the words of God. You just love that he's from the church of God, and he's going to use the words of God. That's how he enters into this conversation. Now, the name of the man was Gideon. And, and it was he who was an instrument in the hands of God in delivering the people of Limhi out of bondage. Do you remember clear back? So we met Gideon several times before. Once he went up against King Noah, clear back then. Then um, we have him working with the king. Then we have him saying, this is how I think we can get out of bondage. And now we get to meet Gideon 
one more time. And this week you might want to look at all those things there in the guide to the scriptures if you want to see. But um, he, because Gideon withstood him with the words of God, Nehor was wroth with Gideon, which is so interesting because mm-hmm. he's he's just going to teach him. Nehor should know the words of God. He that if if that's who he really is, but those words make him angry, and he draws his sword and begins to smite him. And then this part makes you so sad. You a little bit want to get out of Kleenex. Now Gideon, being stricken with many years, therefore he was not able to withstand the blows. Therefore he was slain by the sword. Every time I read this, it doesn't matter when it is. I think of the prophet every time. Oh, Don't just you an just old think man. of President Nelson just out there being like, listen, you are not right. Let me help you understand the words of God. And just doing his best to talk about That's what he knows. Sad. That's I so told sad. you. It makes me so sad because it tells you right there he was stricken Don't picture President with Nelson. many years sad. right there. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's who Gideon was. Among the people, he just was this wise man of God who taught the words of God. And he just had been with them. He had been part of their deliverance. He had been with them in all the hard things. Yeah, and when he goes to trial, when Nehor goes to trial for the murder. I love this part. um, In verse 13, this is what Alma says in, in the trial. And he says, you shed the blood of a righteous man. Yea, and this is actually our power verse scripture. Mm -hmm. A man who has done much good among this people. And that's a description of what Gideon was like for his entire life. A man who did much good among the people. It's interesting. I I love that Gideon gets involved, um, not in a doctrinal debate, but when Nehor started to lead people away from the church. When When he was leading people away from God, that is when Nehor stepped in and said, no, I, I'm not going to let you do We can believe different things, but the day you start leading people away from mm-hmm. a God who's who, a God I love and a God I deliver, I'm going to stand and defend the people, right? And, and I, it's a man who's used to doing much good like his entire yeah. life. And it's, it's, it was a sad loss um, for the Nephite people. So we should talk about right now what the experience is going to be. Yeah. That'd be fun. We've... So the hero is Gideon. Yep. The verse is that spot in Alma chapter 1, verse 13. A man who has done much good among this people. And then we thought it'd be so fun to just do something good for someone. So pay for someone's dessert in the line behind you or go put hearts on someone's door or anything you can think of to get out of just your normal house and go out and do something. Um, that is good. Still social distance, everybody, but do some good. Yeah. Um, oh, we need that right now so bad in the world we live in. Um, it's interesting because after this part, we go into watching what is going to happen in the church, what's happening in the world, and then what happens to the church because of the world. And it's a really interesting pattern that we want to watch what happens. So we first want to look at what set the church apart at this time. And we're going to read it in Alma. Yeah, chapter one. Chapter one. Starting in chapter one. And it's going to be, I think, 26 26 through 31. 31. So we kind of have labeled this section and have boxes on the study guide sheet. Oh, I didn't even put the sheet on here. We filled the whole board. (laughs) (laughs) We filled the whole board with the stuff I forgot. Here's mine. It's filled out. Um, This is what it looks like, though, at least. (laughs) Um, But we labeled this part um, the marks of the church versus the marks of the world. 
this whole idea of you'll see in a second that the this group of people actually put a physical mark on them to identify themselves as a particular group and we just like the idea of somebody being marked or identified as a certain someone jack's got this friend's house that he goes to and i always know when he's been there because he smells like um, their house when he comes back. Does like it I, smell good? Oh, it's a really good smell. Mm. But I know the smell. So he'll walk in and I'll be like, oh, I know where you've been. You've got the marks of mm. that house on you. Yes. Or, oh, I just thought of this story. There is this sweet lady um, that I used to go visit in the nursing home in Lehigh. And uh, I took some friends one time. And one of them that I took with me had just gotten home from his mission. And when we walk in there, um, she's like finding out who everybody is. And I had to reintroduce myself every time because she always mm-hmm. forgot <laughs> who I was. Mm-hmm. And so that was fun because it was like she found a new friend every <laughs> week. Um, but then she got to Chris and she looked at him and grabbed his hands. And she said, um, oh, you just came home from a mission, didn't you? And he said, yeah. And then she said, you still have it on you. Oh, that is And I know thing. it was the sweetest thing. And so every time I hear this idea of like the marks, like I'm, I'm marked with, with something and we want to make a comparison of what, what does it, it look like, like when someone's marked by God mm-hmm. and when someone's marked by the world. Um, so one of our favorite parts is um, it talks about in verse 26, what did the leadership of that church look like and what did the people look like? And one of our favorite parts is the leadership was not afraid to labor with the people. They were in it with them. And you love that it says when it was time for church, um, the priests left their labor to impart the word and the people left their labor to hear the word. And I just love that they're like, we'll just work side by side all week long. And then when it's church, we'll set all that aside and we'll come together and some will teach and some will learn. And you just love that part of the church altogether. Um, They imparted their Everything they had extra, they took care of the poor and the needy. I love when it says in there, in verse 29, because of the steadfastness of the church. I just love that they were steady. Mm. That They just were constant. That's what you knew about them. And it was that steadiness that allowed them to prosper. Um, in verse Did you know, if I told you the story that um, I said that, that is Jenny, my Jenny, that yes. is her spiritual gift. Have I talked to you about this steadiness? Yes. I said that to her one time and she was like, is that a nice way to say boring? And I was like, no, not at all. And then I had to poll several people so that when I told them, whenever I told anybody else, they're like, oh, that is a good one because it is. And that is, that's a, that's a mark yeah, of God that Jenny has on her is she's just like that. steady. She's yeah. just not, doesn't matter the situation that comes up. If there's a new idea, if there's something fun. I'm like a like a squirrel, you know. Like I'm like, oh, how about this? How about this? And no Jenny's one knew just, that yeah. until you just told me. <laughs> and Jenny is just steady in the things that matter. She's steady in her devotion to God, in her love of God and love of people. Like she is just steady, and I love that description. Yeah. In the church, they're just steady. So good, and because of that steadiness, it allows them to have abundance everywhere they begin to prosper and then you love this part in their prosperous circumstances they didn't send away any who were naked or hungry or thirsty or sick or that needed to be nourished um they didn't set their heart on their riches and you love um that they prospered and gave equally that's what it feels like like as much as they prospered was as much as they gave which makes you a little bit need to like do a self-check and be like am Mm -hmm. i 
do I live like that? Do I give as much as I prosper in my life? Is it in balance? Because this is such a balanced church right here. It's just neat to hear about it. Then we go to what the world looked like. Which yeah, is and in you 32 get, and 33. Right, good. Is where so it is. 32 and 33, you've got all these words that are good to look up and start thinking like what they might mean because they indulge themselves in things. It's so interesting that word in 32, that they indulge themselves in sorceries. And it's almost like the, the excess of it. And yep. they've given themselves over to this idolatry, idleness. Everybody loves like a good sit on the couch, like multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's just funny that they, it says they indulge themselves in envyance, in strife. That's an interesting word. Strife is a, um, a contention for superiority. So they're indulging in being better. It's not than someone else. It's mm -hmm. not a, a, a striving to be better than I, I was yesterday, but better than other people. And it shows it because they were involved in persecution and lying, anything to get ahead. They lived um, the law of the jungle, you know, uh, just dog eat dog. Like if I want it, I take it. Um, if I have to lie, step on someone to get it, I'm, I'm going to do it. It's, it's, um, we have on the study guide sheet, um, they have the mark of me on them mm -hmm. instead of the mark of generosity that you see over here on these people. Um, and it's interesting because... As you look at the marks of the two things, you're going to see in um, chapter 1, verse 19, it tells you they took upon them the name of Christ, right? That becomes their mark. It's They're representing Christ everywhere they go. Um, Which means this isn't really the marks of the church. It's really, we're going to find out in a second, it's the marks of God, Yep. right? Um, which is really important. Versus this one over here. And what happens to... is Nehor is gone. Let's before we give the mark oh, yeah, of this yeah. one, let's Good just idea. talk about it. Nehor is gone, but um, the Am Amosai comes, and he's a cunning man and a wise man, and he was. This is so interesting. After remember when Gideon was like, and I'm from the Church of God, and the other church was Nehor's church. It was his teachings and his ideas, and it's so interesting because it tells us that right here and. Verse 1 of chapter 2, Amosai was a wise man as to the wisdom of the world, and he was after the order of the man that slew Gideon. So he's after the order of Nehor. That's what he believes, what Nehor believed. Not Christ, but what Nehor believed. And um, it's his intent to destroy the church of God. That's what he wants to do. And so you're going to read about um, him coming in and everything that happens there. But it's interesting because in verse in chapter 3, we find out what this mark is. Um, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And P.S., us... this is when they start to get the Lamanites involved. And that's going to like have impact later on in the book of Alma. But Amlesi actually teams up with the Lamanites to create this army together to go against the, the people of God. Um, and then, and then you get this yeah, mark. Yeah, it's going to talk here. to us about the mark in verse thirteen of chapter three. Um, they set the mark upon themselves, and it was a mark of red upon their foreheads. And thus the word of God is fulfilled, which He spoke that He um, talked about. I will set a mark on them that they and their seed may be separated from thee and thy seed. So it's so interesting as it talks about this, um, this mark or what this looks like um, that they wanted to belong but instead of belonging to Christ they belong to this order of Nehor and what that looks like 
Um, it's interesting that they, phys- they physically want to be identified when you see them as somebody who does not belong to God, that doesn't belong to Christ. I- I- I've just always thought there's a difference between somebody who is idle sometimes or idolatrous because uh, we all are all those things and and we're selfish with our money and and we are persecutors sometimes but there's a difference between like man accidentally the the natural man and the world having influence on us and then kind of course correcting mm-hmm. because he actually says that in verse 14 he's like um if they turn to me i'll have mercy upon them but this is a group of people that just i i am per particularly rebelling against God. And I just think that's different than somebody who's making mistakes, you know? For sure. Um, It's so interesting because there is this time of war and it kind of humbles everyone. And um, the people are afflicted. And in verse four of chapter four, it tells us because of that, they begin to establish the church more fully. Um, And Alma is helping to bring more people into the church. That's what's happening. And then all of a sudden, um, the people of the church began to wax proud because of their exceeding riches and their fine silks and their fine twined linen and they have costly apparel and they're lifted up in the pride of their eyes and they set their heart upon riches and they're scornful to each other. And there's contentions within the church and envyings and strife and pride um, and it was so much pride, it tells us that it exceeds the pride of the people who are not in the church, which is so interesting as that um, happens, as you watch. Like they were here, and then this was here, and then pretty soon the church starts to become looking more like what the world looked like. Yeah, and it's so interesting that um, if you compare the, what verse were you just reading? Chapter 4, verse... Um, I ended in... With all the riches and oh, the... Oh, in 6. Okay, 4 verse 6. And you compare that to chapter 1 verse 29, and they're almost the same verse. Yep. And 129 is like, they still have the silks and the richness and the pros- and, and their abundance. But the difference is in chapter 1, it says, they did not set their hearts upon those things. And then in chapter 4, it says, they turned their back to God. So, and it's only six years. You might want to look down at the bottom because it is so interesting that all of that happens. The church was doing so well and they were prospering and there was abundance and they were taking care of all the people. And within six years, all of that changes, um, even yeah, with hardship. It's just such a warning for us yeah, how it, quickly that can yeah, happen. Yeah, and a warning that it's like it's not that they were members of the church that made them good. It doesn't matter who holds your records. It matters who holds your heart. Yeah. And that was the difference with, you know, with these mm-hmm. people. And they begin to look like, yeah, you know. The world. The they, world. They just take on what's going on in the world. Um, and it tells us in verse 12, um, they despised others. They turned their backs on the needy and the naked. Those who were hungry, those who were athirst, those who were sick and afflicted. Remember, that's everyone they were doing such a good job of protecting. And they just forget about them. And let's just point out how, oh, maybe let's bring up these people first because, and then then make a comparison. Keep going because this is, this is the cool group. So we We love love this part that you want to watch the marks of the church and then the marks of the world. And then later the church takes on the marks of the world, except for in verse 13, the others. And we love that they're just called the others. And they're just this small group. 
who were succoring those who stood in need of their succor, such as imparting their substance to the poor and the needy, feeding the hungry, suffering all manner of afflictions for Christ's sake, who should come according to the spirit of prophecy and looking forward to that day. And I just think to myself, it's so interesting because we live in a time when so many people are leaving. So many people are choosing what the world looks like. It like it's, it's so easy to be like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I think I'm going to do this. And you love that the group is so small. It's not even called the church anymore. It's just the others who were still doing what they had set aside to do from the very beginning. And it was to love and to act as Jesus would act if he was here and to try and keep their covenant um, that they had made and live that covenant and stay on that covenant path. And you saw the covenant path, not because they were going to church and, and doing all the checklists, but because that was helping them love. And that's what set them apart. And that's what I was going to say. It's so important that the thing that set them apart, the mark that set them apart is the way that they took care of other people. Um, James says that. Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is what does he say? Discipleship, Christianity. What's yeah. his, what's his word in the book of James? I can't remember. True religion. Yes. This is true religion. Right. Not it's my name marked on the roll, but how have I treated other people? It's I think it's so powerful that like the heart and soul of all of it was loving God and loving, loving people. people. I'm looking yeah. forward to Him coming, and I'm going to take care of people all along the way. That is the mark of God. And it's those people that Alma sees, um, that he sees the affliction of the humble followers of God. That's who they were, just these humble followers of God and the persecutions that were heaped upon them and the inequality. And he began to be very sorrowful. And then there is this great line in Alma. We're going to say this 10,000 times too, because there are some great (laughs) one-liners here. Um, Yeah, Alma 4. 15 at the very bottom and here he is so worried about what is happening and then there's this great line that i hope this is true of me always for the rest of my life it says nevertheless the spirit of the lord did not fail him oh it's so good like in my life when i'm up against too much i just want to think and the spirit is not going to fail me Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. it's going to help me know what to do and and it does such Um, a courage giving line yeah And he selects a wise man and he gives him power according to the voice of the people. And the man's name is Nephi. We could have like 2,000 heroes as we go through this. One day. (laughs) That's true. So he was, Alma was the high priest of the church, um, kind of, and in control of also the chief judge. judge. Yep. Um, He was given that, those two positions and he gives up the position of chief judge over to Nephi. Um, that's why he's picking him in those and verses. And he's going to only do the, the church, work of God. The work of God. That's and, what he feels like he should do. That verse in verse 20 is so awesome. He says, well, 19, I did that so I might go forth among the people and preach the word of God and stir them up in remembrance of God. And then in 20, that line, I, I gave myself wholly, fully, mm-hmm. W-H-O-L-L-Y, to the holy order of God. I love that comparison of Alma saying yeah. the order of Nehor and, and Alma saying, I'm giving myself all over to the order of God. And what is that? Well, he described it in 19. It's to go forth among the people and to lift the people. That's one thing you'll notice about all the heroes. Mm-hmm. 
right? They give themselves fully yep. to the rescuing of people. And you love when he talks about that he's going to bear um, pure testimony. And it's going to be the testimony of the word. And it's going to be according to the spirit that comes, revelation and prophecy that comes to him. But I just noticed it's so interesting because it's um, interesting when you compare that, the holy order of God to the order of Nehor. And all the way through here, you just see that. We just keep seeing this back and forth and this back and forth. It's almost like this line in the sand of you got to choose which way are you going to go. And I love Alma's passion that he's like, I'm not going to lose anyone. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get as many people as I can. And that's how the book starts. It starts with this war for souls mm-hmm. from the, the death of Gideon. And it is going to move all the way through the book of Alma. Is this war for the souls of men and all of these people who fight for claiming those souls and filling those chairs. And Yeah, we hope that you remember that whenever someone talks about, oh, Alma's full of the war chapters. <laughs> Make sure that you know it is the battle for the souls of man. It's a war yeah. for, for souls. And that really is what it, it's all about, right? Um, when to bring someone on his side of the line means to turn their heart back to God. That is what he's trying to do. Yeah. So good. It's good hey, stuff. We so can't wait fun. to do the Summer of Heroes with all of y'all. Week one, yep. Gideon going and doing much good and find something or lots of things because it's much good. So why not, you know, do a lot of things good for people. Yeah, we can't wait to hear what you do. Keep us apprised of what you're doing. Keep us what? Apprised. That means let us know what's going on in your family. Oh, I thought it was going to be a surprise. That's what it sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) You let us know how it's going. See you next week. (laughs) This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.